Hi there, and welcome to the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. We're Paris and Alana, friends who have a heart for intimacy and long to uncover God's truth and design for sexual freedom within marriage. Welcome here. All right, welcome back everybody to our Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. We are so honored to have you guys tuning in. Today we have a pretty spectacular guest here and we're just really, really honored to bring someone who stands so firm on God's truth and his design for sexuality. And we want to welcome to our show, Sheila Gregoire. Welcome here. Thank you. It's great to be here. (laughs) We are so excited to have you. So a little bit context here, uh, Sheila, we would love for you just to do a little intro here, and we're going to be talking a little bit more specifics as we get a little bit further on down our conversation, but can you just tell us some stuff about yourself, which, what has really led you into the ministry that you're in today, some stuff about your books, we just want to hear about you. Okay, well, I started mommy blogging in 2008. So I was, you know, that's when all the mommy blog was the rage and I was doing parenting and housework and organizing and all that stuff. Um, And the more I talked about sex, the more my traffic grew. And Mm -hmm. so I began talking about sex more and more. Um, In 2012, my first sex book was out, The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex, and then 31 Days to Great Sex. Mm -hmm. And I created courses like the orgasm course and the libido course, and I was doing a ton of research. Um, But... I found that a lot of women still had very similar issues and it didn't matter Mm. how much good content I put out there, there was still a lot of problems. And what Mm. I've realized over the last three years is that a lot of those problems come from the fact that we've been taught some really toxic stuff in the evangelical world. Um, And I hadn't known the extent of it for a long time because I hadn't read any other parenting and sex books because I was always afraid of plagiarizing. And so (laughs) I hadn't read what other people were writing. And I'm like, well, I love Jesus. They love Jesus. We must all be saying the same thing. Um, And Mm -hmm. then when one day I actually sat down and I read Love and Respect, it was was a Friday in January 2019. And I was just floored because I read, you know, if your husband is typical, he has a need that you don't have, right? Mm. So men need sex, women don't. Women don't, Um, exactly. His need is for physical release. Yeah. And and it's not even about intimacy. It's just about ejaculation. Um, Right. And women don't need physical release. Like, and there wasn't a single word in that entire chapter on how sex could feel good for women too. It was just, you can't say no or else he'll have an affair. And it was like, oh my Uh, goodness. (laughs) It was so detrimental. Toxic. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, I know that I listened back to a few of your other interviews that you've just done. And I think one of them was right before the great sex rescue came out and i know that listening to you describe it i thought oh my goodness because it just brought back this flood of whenever i was newly married and you know we had well-meaning people give you these books and they're like here mm-hmm. this is great information for you and i sat down mm-hmm. and i read this these books and hearing you talk about how horrible that was and how toxic that was at the time I know me being a young person and Mm -hmm. very naive and just very much okay you 
are supposed to be this wise person in the church who's supposed to have great information for me. So I'm going to take what you say as truth. And mm -hmm. so I read these books that had this toxic uh, just belief system and yeah. that they were throwing at us. And I thought, yeah. okay, well, that's truth, though. And so mm -hmm. hearing you say, I read that and it made me sick. And I thought, no, there has to be a better way, a better thing. We need more a actual biblical guideline yes. and truth for women put out there. It was wonderful sure. because I know that for me, I was just naive and I was just like, okay, that's true. And so mm -hmm. it did. I mean, it, it takes a lot of undoing then Oh yeah, to mm -hmm. remove those roots that reading that type of information puts into you. Yeah. So yeah. first and foremost, <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much yeah. for doing this, for putting in the work. Mm -hmm. And I just want to know, like, in doing this, was there a tipping point? Was there something that happened that made you say, okay, enough's enough. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put something out there that shines yeah. the correct light on this and puts proper information out for these people. Yeah, well, after we read Love and Respect, we did a week on our blog going through the problems with that book. And it wasn't just around sex. It was also the whole concept of unconditional respect and how that actually isn't biblical. Right. Um, and we yes. were flooded <laughs> by hundreds and hundreds of, of emails and messages from women who said that that book contributed to the abuse in their marriage. Mm -hmm. And we were really concerned about this. And mm -hmm. so I had on my team someone who is really into stats she ended up being a co-author on our book and she prepared a report for focus on the family that publishes love and respect. Mm -hmm. And we sent it in. Cause like I had been on focus on the family three times. Like mm -hmm. I knew them and I thought maybe they just don't know this. Like I was all naive. Right. right? I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I learned something that they don't know. And so I better, I'll tell them this and then they'll change. For sure. And so we did this big report on the problems with the book and what all these women had been saying. Um, and they completely ignored us and blew us off. Oh. And oh, I'm like, okay, yeah. so they can ignore several hundred women, but can they ignore 20,000? And that's when mm. it was actually Joanna, one of my co-authors had the idea to do this study. And so we surveyed 20,000 women. Because, <laughs> um, you know, Jesus said that a bad tree can't bear good fruit yeah. and a good mm -hmm. tree can't bear bad fruit. Exactly. So you're allowed to judge things by their fruit. And that's what we yeah, wanted right. to do. We wanted to say, okay, we're just going to, we're going to survey 20,000 women. We're going to ask them about their marital satisfaction. We're going to get up close and personal and ask them everything about their sexual satisfaction, their sex lives. And then we're going to give them a whole bunch of different teachings that are really common in the evangelical church. And we're going to be mm -hmm. able to measure people who believe them versus people who don't believe them and see how mm -hmm. it affects their marital and sexual satisfaction so that we'll be yes. able to know which ones have bad fruit. And that's right. what we did. Um, and we found a whole bunch of teachings that bore a lot of bad fruit, but especially four that we talk about at length in The Great Sex Rescue. Wow. That like, it just gives me chills thinking, ah, oh, just so incredibly thankful <laughs> for that realization mm -hmm. and for that, putting that out there. It's like, yes, you will know them by their fruit. And so that mm -hmm. it is, mm -hmm. it's, it's incredible yeah. to look at the fruit that those ministries and those teachings have bore and how damaging it has been for it's, mm -hmm. I mean, primarily I'm going to say, just for our audience, we have more women. And so for Kingdom Daughters yeah. who have been told this lie that you just give sex to your man and that's how you mm -hmm. keep him. Those types yeah. of mm -hmm. just outright lies that really do a disservice, number one, to our men. Mm -hmm. And number two, then to the satisfaction of the woman, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And all of the the toxic belief systems that we as women will then adopt, um, just thinking truly in naivety that this is how it's meant to be. Um, oh my gosh, like all of us here, Alana, you, Rusty, and I can all relate to so many of the things um, that you speak on in your yes. book, Sheila. <laughs> and I was telling Rusty and Alana mm-hmm. the other day, I was like, okay, so going through Sheila's book, I was like, you know, I was on chapter three and I was having a complete meltdown. I'm like, I got wrecked. <laughs> like in a good way. You know, the Holy Spirit was working, but my husband and I are reading through it together and reading through it together over and over again, like going over so much stuff. I was like, there's so many things that I've just been naively taken on because a, a, a pastor said it or because some somebody, a leader in the Christian realm said it. And I'm like, okay, it's gospel truth. And, you know, that's me as an 18-year-old, fresh and and newly wedded. And here I am eight years into this. Mm -hmm. And we've been undoing a lot in the past three years, specifically in our own personal marriage. And I was like, wow, like the amount of undoing that you have to do, retraining. Mm -hmm. And I think even the most important thing for us is really getting down to like, am I really measuring everything back to the scripture? How well do I know God and the scriptures and what things say? Mm -hmm. You know, that really challenged me and woke me up three years ago. And then reading your book too, Sheila, it's like, wow, this is exactly what it's all about. And I just love that you're taking everything back to facts in the scripture. Yep. Yep. Because there really has been a narrative in the church that sex is only for men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also like that it, it, it turns sex into an entitlement for men and an obligation for women. Absolutely. Right. Um, and that's yes. so objectifying to women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah you're not going to want to put yourself out there and to give such a vulnerable part of you. If you feel like it could be used against you or then, right. well, you weren't measuring up enough. So then I yeah. strayed or then I decided to turn to pornography because, well, my wife wasn't enough as to where I thought she should be because her job is to just frankly satisfy me. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so, it just blows yeah, and my it's, mind. You know, like, it's thinking amazing. Back to it it's like, okay, reading one of the things I found myself like underlying four or five mm-hmm. times and just like, yes, yes, yes. Writing in the, in the corners of this book was when you said, what happened to we are all precious in his sight? Mm. And it's just yeah. like, I just imagine God being like, those are my daughters too, you know? Mm-hmm. This is, I'm not just mm-hmm. for my sons and their satisfaction. Like sex is supposed to be Two ways. beautiful and yeah. pleasurable and desirable Absolutely. for both parties, for my sons mm-hmm. and my daughters. And I loved whenever I read that, what happened to we are precious in a sight mm-hmm. because, you know, it seems mm-hmm. like the culture, the purity culture and everything has aired more on the side of it's a woman's job to keep a man from straying or from lusting or mm-hmm. things like that. Whereas then it makes almost the women want to take a stand if they don't fall into that trap than to say, no, like maybe take more of like a feminist standpoint and say, I'm strong, I'm capable. I will not be treated like that. I will not let my hus- husband have any say or uh, be able to make me feel any less than or even bring up anything. It's going to be my way or the highway. <laughs> but these overgeneralizations that mm-hmm. we've accepted can be extremely toxic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it amazes me too, like how many of these books they talk about 
a man's need for sex mm-hmm. and they talk about how a man needs to feel like he's a good lover like right. for women only says you know that you need to give him heart words adoring words affirming words even if you're not enjoying yourself you need to make mm-hmm. him feel like you really want to be there and yet they don't tell men hey make him feel good for your wives so there's all this pressure mm-hmm. on women mm-hmm. not just to give him sex but to make him feel like he's a good lover and there's not the pressure yep. on men to make them to make their wives actually feel good, like to make sex right. good. And then so many women get married and sex is terrible and we think we're yeah. broken. Yes. Right. Because exactly. we don't react to sex the way he does. And there's just yes. there's no emphasis. Like all like all these all the pastors tell you you need to have sex and what they mean is have intercourse. Right. Yeah. Yes. And talk about that. Talk else. about that. Your mm-hmm. definition of sex. I love that. So speak to that and tell our listeners yeah. the way that you would rather see okay. them see sex as. Yeah. Because if, if if I were to ask, like, did you have sex last night? Right. Which I'm not asking. Mm-hmm. You don't have to answer that. But if I, if I were to ask that, what everyone <laughs> is picturing in their head, what everyone is thinking, okay, she's saying, you know, did he put his penis into her vagina and move around? To, like they were picturing intercourse, right? Right. right. And mm-hmm. the problem with that is that her experience is completely unnecessary to that definition. She could be lying there making a grocery list in her head. She could be in emotional turmoil. She could even be in physical pain and it would still count as having sex. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. the only thing intercourse tells us is that he ejaculated. That's all. So it doesn't tell us anything about her. So if she feels good, that's a bonus, but it's not necessary to the main event. Absolutely true. And then if that's people's definition of sex, when we hear in church, well, you need to have sex in your marriage. What we mm. hear is he needs to ejaculate, but her experience doesn't matter. So we're yes. told to prioritize his physical release, but nothing else. Mm-hmm. And it makes us feel like we're, we're like, if we don't want this, because we're always told what a gift sex is. Like, is it doesn't sound like a gift. And that's also not the way the Bible talks about sex. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not even biblical. Um, the very first time sex is mentioned in Genesis 4, Adam knew his wife Eve and they conceived a son. Mm. Um, like the word there that God is using for sex is this is this deep knowing, this deep intimacy. It's the same word that David uses in the Psalms when he says, search me and know me, O God. Like it's this longing to be one. So we know that biblically sex is an intimate experience. It's not just about his ejaculation, right? Mm -hmm. From Song of Solomon, we see it's pleasurable for both. Yeah. She's having just as much fun as he is. In fact, she she even says, she even (laughs) says more words than he does. Yeah. In that whole book, you know, and then in first Corinthians seven, we see that it's totally mutual. And there's other things. In the Great Sex Rescue, we have a bunch of other words, too. But just for the sake sake of a podcast, people can remember three. So there's your three, okay? Mutual, intimate, pleasurable for both. That's what sex is supposed to be. It's not merely intercourse. And so if what's happening is you're having one-sided intercourse, but she never feels any pleasure, and Mm. then a pastor tells you, but do not deprive, Mm. you're not allowed to deprive, She's already being deprived. Those verses don't even apply. Yes. She is malnourished. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, goodness. It's so good. It's so, so true. Okay. Can Mm -hmm. I? I want to talk on this a little bit more, Sheila. 
okay because obviously there is deprivation going on there in a scenario like that which you talk mm-hmm. about extensively in your book and then you go on to say that we have an arousal issue okay and you talk about the orgasm gap you talk about the arousal issues and that's obviously mm-hmm. just one part of what could be contributing to it so can we mm-hmm. chat about arousal for a little bit can you just explain to us maybe paraphrase you know the extensity of what you talked about in your book and just why this is so important, why it's such a missing piece. Yeah, so when, when we talk about orgasm gap, what we found is that 95% of men almost always or always reach orgasm during a sexual encounter, but only about 48% of women do. Sure. So 47 point orgasm gap. Wow. So there's a lot of men who are having fun and there's a lot of women who aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the question is why? Yeah. Like why, why is orgasm so difficult for women? Um, and you know, women's bodies, our sexuality is more holistic when we're stressed. We don't, our libidos go down and that makes Mm -hmm. sense. That's a protective factor when you're stressed, when you're tired, your body doesn't want to get pregnant, right? (laughs) You're saying, saying, I don't want a baby right now. And so you're, so, so our sexuality tends to be more holistic. That's the way God Mm -hmm. made us. If we feel like our relationship isn't strong, isn't safe, we're not going to want to have sex. Um, But also God just made our bodies differently. It doesn't mean that we're not as sexual, but we take longer to warm up. Um, Mm -hmm. We take longer to reach orgasm. And there's definite phases of the sexual response cycle. Like you go from excited when you're, you're like starting your heartbeat, starting to get faster, you know, you're just feeling good. And then you get arousal where you're actually wanting your erogenous zones touched. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you get to plateau where you're almost there and then you get to orgasm. And so like, that's your sexual response cycle. Yeah. But the problem is a lot of us are reading books, which tell us, okay, she needs clitoral stimulation. Mm -hmm. So you get naked and you're lying there and he goes right for the clitoris before you're even excited, let alone aroused. And that feels like a pap smear. It does. It feels like a pap smear. Painful. It's not, it's, it's, it's not comfortable. Um, But what we're doing is we're doing this paint by numbers approach to sex because so many books in the Christian world tell you, you know, he does this for eight minutes, then he rubs here 237 times. And then he, you know, (laughs) like we have this whole template Mm. for what's supposed to feel good. And so he does it and you don't feel anything. And so everyone concludes she's broken, but what we're missing is that you got to work with her body. It's not about Mm. doing a specific thing, like specific things in a specific order. It's about learning how to listen to her body. And once her body wants to be touched, then you start the touching. And when specific Mm -hmm. areas want to be touched, then you start the touching because you can't get to orgasm without going through arousal. And that's the missing piece that a lot of women have is they've never actually felt aroused because they've rushed Mm -hmm. straight through intercourse. Mm -hmm. For a lot of women, that whole process can take like half an hour, 45 minutes. Like it's not a quick thing. For some women it is, but for a lot it isn't. And yet a guy can have intercourse for four minutes and ejaculate. And Mm -hmm. so the thought is he's more sexual. Why doesn't she enjoy this? She must be broken. And the fact is our bodies are just made differently. Yes. Um, okay. So she yes. like, this is amazing information. Like this is the light bulbs are just, I was having so many light bulb moments going through that specific chapter. Let me hear your body talk on arousal. Um, and you were just connecting so many dots. Mm-hmm. 
So I want to I want to bring something a little bit more intimate forward with uh, the specific ministry that we're running here. And, and like Rusty already said, we have predominantly women here. And um, just speaking on behalf of a lot of the requests that have come up in this community of ours, arousal is definitely a battle for a lot of women. And like you said perfectly, so many of them feel broken, which breaks our hearts. Um, and I too have been there. I mean, I can relate fully with this being very vulnerable. So Sheila, if you were sitting down with these women, what would you tell them to the women who are battling with the absence of arousal? You know, they want to reclaim back their God-given sexuality and embrace that within themselves. What would you say to those people? I just want everyone to know that you're not broken. Like your vagina's not broken. Your clitoris isn't broken. Like your body does work. It's just that there can be a real um, mix up between our bodies and our brains. And think about mm. it this way. Your body has a job, okay? And your body's main job is to protect you. Mm-hmm. your body goes through life trying to protect you. Like for instance, yeah. our skin protects us from the outside elements, right? Yes. Like, like this is what our body does. Mm-hmm. And so when our body experiences threats mm-hmm. or when our body feels like something isn't safe, our body is going to go kind of into hyper mode and is not going to let us relax, is not going to let us enjoy things. And is going to try to protect us from the thing that feels threatening. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that a lot of us have grown up with messages that make sex sound threatening. Mm-hmm. Even if our husbands are great guys. Now, some of us are married to guys who believe these messages, and that's a whole other kettle of fish. Like that's yeah. that's even more problematic. Right. Um, but and, and if that's the case, you really do need to work on that with the licensed counselor. You know, read the book together, so, read the great sex yeah. rescue together. I I've I've heard from so many men who said this just opened my eyes and I have, I had no idea how entitled I was being and Mm. I just am completely broken before my wife and trying to make up. So there are, there are guys um, (laughs) who see that Um, other times you need licensed counseling, but, but for a lot of women and in our focus groups, we heard this over and over again. It wasn't necessarily that their husbands were bad or that their husbands believed that you owed them sex. In a lot of cases, the husbands really wanted to give their wives pleasure. Right. But when you grow up with really negative beliefs, <laughs> mm-hmm. then your body can shut down sexually. And a lot of us, our bodies are shut down, are shutting down sexually because of what we were taught. Mm-hmm. And just to give you an example. Um, the belief all men struggle with lust. It's every man's battle. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's taught everywhere. There's a whole book series yep. on it. Sold 4 million <laughs> copies. It's very widespread. Um, taught all the time. There was even a recent book out uh, by Gary Thomas. It was out in October, which which also said this, that men are always at the ready of seizing a sexual opportunity, that sexual thoughts flicker in the back of a man's mind and that we should send him nude photos so that neurologically he'll focus on your naked body instead of someone else's. So, oh yeah. Unbelievable. So that, you know, that message, yeah, that message is very much out there. If a woman hears that when she's a teenager, so she's in youth group and she's told she needs to cover up because she's told that she's a stumbling block to the men. When she gets married, so she may not even have met her husband yet when she's taught this, okay? Mm -hmm. When she gets married, her libido is going to be lower. 
Her trust mm-hmm. in her husband is going to be lower. Her arousal level is going to be lower. Like it has all of these negative effects. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Even if she just hears it as a teenager before she even meets her husband, (laughs) like these thoughts get in there and they make us feel dirty. They make Mm -hmm. us feel like sex is, is something that is threatening to me Mm -hmm. because if all men struggle with lust, it's every man's battle, then I can never be safe. I can't be safe in my marriage because my husband might be lusting after other people. I can't be safe in public because every guy is looking at me weird. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. this is just a gross thing. Men are just gross. And and we can internalize that message, which is not true. It's not biblical. <laughs> um, and it's such a low view of men. Absolutely. Um, yes. like, like every man's battle even says, when you think about sexual sin, we got there naturally simply by being male. And they say men don't naturally have that Christian view of sex. So they're blaming God for making God. men this way. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Four million copies sold. For that's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Like this is keep those seeds from taking root. Yeah, absolutely. But that's an example of how these messages, we can internalize them and then our bodies kind of shut down and shut off. And so that's why I want to tell women, like, it's not that your body is broken. Your body's actually working really well. Yeah. Like your body is being your friend. It is trying to help protect you because of the messages you've been taught. And Mm. so when we start deconstructing a lot of these messages and when we start looking back to what scripture actually says, we can set ourselves free and then our bodies don't have to do that work for us. And that can actually open up libido and arousal and then we can start experiencing some of this again. Amazing. That is so, so good. So, so good. And I just want to just give this apology out there to any of our listeners who tune in who are men. We're sorry if that has been ingrained into you. We're sorry if that has been truth that you have accepted as well. And it is not too late for you to be called higher and to be that for your wife, for your Mm -hmm. fiance. And these are some of the conversations that we do encourage before your honeymoon, (laughs) sit down and you know, this doesn't have to happen the first week of your relationship, but what do you expect from me? What do I expect from you? What can we do to make our intimate life a safe place where you're comfortable opening up to me and showing the most vulnerable side of yourself to me? Um, Do that beforehand Mm -hmm. (laughs) and have some of these conversations. But yes, don't fall into that believing that just because those are elders in the church or those are well-respected men in the church or whoever that are saying these statements, you do not have to accept them as truth. Take it back to scripture and ask yourself, if I accept that truth, am I thinking of my wife or future wife as a daughter of Christ Mm -hmm. who this is how I lay down my life for her, the way that Christ loved the church? Is this reflective of that or is this reflective of it's about me, Mm -hmm. my needs, what I want, making sure my, my body is as happy as can be. Am I also, you know, just have that gut Mm -hmm. check moment. Am I making sure that all of this is true about her as well, that her needs are met, that she feels safe, that she feels comfortable being open with me. Those are all some really Mm -hmm. amazing conversations to have beforehand (laughs) to, to keep these 
issues from hopefully even sure. arising. Sheila, you talk quite a bit to that in one of the chapters of your book too, talking about, you know, the kind of lover you are, the kind of mindset that you have. Like, are you, is sex something that is selfish? Is it something that's, you know, you talk about so many things um, that we can turn our own sexuality into. Could you speak on that a bit too? Like just realigning it with what scripture says. Yeah, I think one one of the most harmful messages that we measured. So like I said, we found we found many messages that ended up hurting women's sex lives and marriages, but there were four big ones we tackled in the book. And the one that was the most destructive was the idea that a woman is obligated to give her husband sex when he wants mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And roughly 39, I think it was 39% of women believed that going into marriage. And yes. if you believe that at the point where you're married, Your chance of experiencing primary sexual pain or vaginismus, which is a sexual dysfunction disorder Mm -hmm. where the muscles of the vaginal wall contract and become tense so that penetration Mm. is painful, if not impossible, Mm -hmm. um, your chance of experiencing that increases to almost the same extent as if you had been abused. Okay. They're almost statistically the same. Which means that our bodies are interpreting that obligation sex message as trauma. Yes. And our bodies are trying to Mm -hmm. protect us. Exactly. Okay. Um, Yes. And along with that, even if you don't experience sexual pain, orgasm rates fall, marital Mm -hmm. satisfaction falls. um, You're far more likely to feel used after sex. So your emotions after sex Mm -hmm. are tend to be more negative rather than blissful or content or close with my spouse. You feel used. Um, so it's just nasty all around. And yet, uh, when we looked at, so we, we looked at 13 of the best selling sex and marriage books for our study. So we surveyed 20,000 women. And then we also looked at 13 of the best selling books and we created a 12 point rubric of healthy sexuality teaching. And the one, measure on that 12 point rubric that the books as a whole scored the worst on was this idea of obligation. Um, it was almost Mm -hmm. universal telling women, you know, you're not supposed to deprive him. (laughs) Um, so many books, for instance, uh, like sheet music was classic in this one. So it talked about how her, her period is a difficult time for the husband. That's just so heartbreaking. (laughs) So she should give him oral sex or a hand job to help him out during those times. I talked about how if you're, if you're not feeling your best, so you're not feeling well, or you have a really heavy period or you're postpartum. So you've just popped a baby out. You should, you can give him a hand Mm -hmm. job instead. Um, And nothing in reverse. Like there's nothing going back to the woman's pleasure at all. Like it's again, that right. Um, The book intended for focus. Yeah, the book intended for pleasure, yeah. which which is an older book, but it was like a staple for anyone who got married in like the nineties or two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, it said that uh, during the period of abstention, so during that six weeks postpartum, um, you should make sure that he ejaculates the same number of times as he would have beforehand, just in other ways. My goodness! So here you are, you've just pushed a baby out. Um, I don't know about you, but I had a third degree tear. I couldn't walk for like eight yeah. weeks. Woo. Um, yeah. My oldest daughter that. had a major tear and then she had, she had pups, something called pups, which is when your entire body breaks out in a rash. Yes. It was awful. It, she had to, mm-hmm. she was up every hour and a half to put Miserable. ice on herself. Like it, it was like, it was the worst uh, rash from her like underarms all the way down. And I'm thinking these books are telling her that she's supposed to be making sure that he ejaculates. Like her husband 
would not have even right. let her. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. He's a good right. guy. Um, and, and, but that's the kind of obligation message that we're given. We're, we're told that, For sure. uh, like most people, most women have heard of the 72 hour rule. It's interesting because mm-hmm. most men haven't, but most women in the evangelical church know the 72 hour yep, rule. It's in sheet music. <laughs> it's in power of a praying wife. It's in every man's battle. Um, it's, uh, it's in a lot of our books, like where guys need sex every 72 hours. And, uh, so we talked to so many women in our focus groups who dutifully initiated every 72 hours because they were supposed to, and they just felt Mm -hmm. used, you know, and yet there's no medical scientific evidence for 72 hours. James Dobson made it up Uh, in the seventies. He just said it in the seventies and everybody has said it since, but there's nothing, there's nothing in the literature about Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I know speaking for my personal thing, it's like, as soon as, even though, you know, you start doing this work, if I think in my mind, and especially because I did, I mean, I'm freshly out of that postpartum period and even still, you know, breastfeeding and everything, your libido is naturally just dampened a little bit because like you said, God created our bodies to protect us. And so if I were to get pregnant just a few months Mm -hmm. after having Mm -hmm. my child, then it would be very difficult for my body. And so that's why, you know, women don't have a cycle mm-hmm. oftentimes whenever they're nursing and things like that. It is God's yeah, way that he designed our body to protect yes. us from that. But at the same time, then my libido is lower yeah. during this time. And so in my mind, it's like if that 72 mm-hmm. hours has passed, it's almost like I have a countdown mm-hmm. going in the back of my head where it's like, okay, how many days has it been since I have done something for him in order to make mm-hmm. sure he is satisfied? Yeah. And it's like, why is that even an issue? Like he knows he can come to me if he is in the mood if he is wanting you know to be intimate then he can he'll speak up and he'll say something he'll just be like hey any chance we can cuddle later tonight or is there anything i can do for you to make sure that you're in the mind space and comfortable where you can and but it's just like wow those poisonous Mm -hmm. things that still Mm -hmm. just will float around in the back of our mind if we don't catch them it's just it's incredible and i'm just not enough can be said as to how much good I believe that this book is going to do. Um, We find ourselves, (laughs) yeah, we find ourselves telling, you know, our listeners or our, our community who reach out to us saying, well, we're struggling with this and this and this. We are often saying, go get a great sex rescue. (laughs) It is incredible. And, And I know my husband isn't like, my husband isn't much of a reader, but I find myself often just being like, I'll be reading it. And I'm just hitting him. And I'm like, babe, babe, listen to this. Well, like, well, isn't this incredible? Doesn't that make sense? It, is it, I almost feel like reading the book is like a train wreck. Like you're watching a train wreck. You know how people love watching train yes. wrecks? Like it's a terrible thing, but like you're watching Horrible it in slow motion. You can't, you look, can't away. look away. Because it's like every chapter is even more terrible quotes from these books. And it's like, oh my gosh, how did anyone say that? How did we ever believe this? Like, Uh, how could, you know, and then we, and then we try to reframe it so that we can talk about it in a healthy way. But, but it's like that. It's like, how did we ever go so far off track? Exactly. You know, and, and what's interesting is like the, the evangelical establishment really doesn't like me because I'm calling out people by name. I'm saying this book mm. is really harmful, <laughs> you know, and we, we have the numbers to prove well, it. That's, yeah. But we have it's to. selling really well because people like you were talking about it, like people read it yeah. and they realize this is life-changing. And so they tell Absolutely. their friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on and so on. And it, it really does. It really is making a difference that way, but it's all by word of mouth. It's all yeah. by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. All right. So we're going to wrap this up by 
reading an excerpt from the chapter called Becoming More Than Roommates. And this was one of those where I had my pen and my <laughs> highlighter and I just kept underlying and I was just like, yes, 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 yes. And it says, we open this chapter by saying that a healthy sex life needs to feed into a healthy marriage and a healthy marriage fosters a healthy sex life. The two cannot be separated. For some couples, the journey to great sex will happen mainly in the bedroom. But for others, it may primarily take place in a marriage therapist's mm -hmm. office. Whichever is for you, please do the work. Because a marriage in which you feel truly known is bona fide wedded bliss. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it takes the stigma out of, like what you said, there's nothing wrong with us. We are not broken. If something is not clicking and we need outside help, take it mm -hmm. and get that outside help. Because at the end of the day, what matters is that this is a reflection of our covenantal union yeah. with Christ. And if we were struggling with our walk with Jesus, we would go to somebody in the church and say, help me. I'm to the point where I'm going to walk away if I can't fix this flawed thinking that I have or these flawed beliefs that I can't get rid of. And so, yes, take it to a good Christian counselor and you guys might have to, you know, test a couple out to find one that aligns with the beliefs that say the woman's pleasure is just For as sure. important as the male's. But go do the work because it's worth it. And we just want to encourage our listeners with that. We want to thank yeah. Sheila for putting this book out there, for doing this incredible amount of extensive research. 20,000 women, guys. 20,000. And it's just a beautiful piece of literature to have on yeah. your shelf to read, to go back to over yeah. and over and over again. It's not a fast read. It is one you want to sit and absorb and soak in. It's a heart, read. It's a heart So read. we encourage you guys to go. <laughs> yes. Yes. So we want to encourage you guys to go pick that up. Thank you, Sheila, yes. for coming today. And I'm so happy that we yeah, got to chat you. with you. It's been great to be here. All right. Well, that wraps up our Kingdom Sexuality podcast for today. And we thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you guys next time. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for hanging out with us as we dive deeper into meaningful, godly intimacy, tackle the hard questions, and embrace truth while we're at it. We're also on Instagram at Kingdom Sexuality. You'll find our Instagram handle below in the show notes, where you'll also see any other resource links we may have mentioned in today's episode. As always, our hearts are to cultivate deep community and freedom with you guys. And we cannot wait to continue this journey alongside you. We'll see you in the next episode.